Yo. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome. Can you hear me? To yeah. JavaScript Jam. <laughs> Welcome to JavaScript Jam. Live. <laughs> yeah, we're live. The livest. The, the livest. So live. The opposite of dead. So live, I feel really real. Not really. You are for real. I am for real. Never meant to make ya. All right. <laughs> this is Outcast. Welcome. No. <laughs> Still cool in 2023. Star. Starring Anthony AJZ Web Dev and Scott. That's Anthony. a me developer advocate at Edgeo. Yeah. 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 And yours truly, technical community manager at Edgeo, Scott Stanlogy. Welcome to the show, folks. <laughs> we have today Dev, <laughs> Dev Agrawala. What up? Let me Dev, speak. Mr. Roll Your Own Off, always. <laughs> always roll your How's own off. How's it going? How's it going? Hey, yo, yo. thanks for coming. Of course, my pleasure. Love these spaces. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. We're just gonna make you sing a couple songs. Um, maybe. Oh, Dev, Dev, get down on some karaoke. <laughs> I've yeah. seen, I've seen Dev sing Hotel California. He's got skills. <laughs> Wait, have you? <laughs> oh, I would say, yeah. I forgot what, what were you doing before the. Uh, oh yeah. I, <laughs> I clipped it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have some. I have some video footage. <laughs> All right. Do you want to give the rest? Do you want to give the rest of the introduction, yeah. Scott? The, the yeah, spiel. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, y'all, uh, thank y'all so much for showing up, uh, for listening in. If you're listening on the recording, thank you as well. We greatly appreciate you, as always. Uh, this is JavaScript GM Live. We do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have a great time here. Whether you're a beginner, whether you're an advanced user, developer, uh, and it doesn't matter. We, we love to hear from everybody. So please be sure to uh, request to come up if you're here with us live today. Um, and we'll be able to bring you up and you can ask questions, uh, state facts, comments, opinions, reflections, <laughs> whatever. We want to hear it. Um, why? Because that's how we get the most value out of these things is when people participate and we have fun together. So this is a very open mic concept. You don't have to be prepared for this. It's just a good time. Uh, we like to have some fun. So join us. Let's have fun together. Today we have with us Dev and uh, from Clerk, and we're going to be just talking through the newsletter as always and um, some of those good things too. So yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Cool. Um, and my name is Anthony Campbell, developer advocate at Edgeo. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, paste um, the newsletter to the the Jumbotron, as we like to say. And I um, yeah. want to thank Dev for joining us. Uh, yeah, you want to introduce yourself, Dev? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Dev or Dave, whatever you want to call me. I am a developer advocate for Clerk.com, where we build authentication solutions for React developers. And I am a content creator on YouTube and Twitch. What kind of content do you create? Uh, my content is 
just center around talking about concepts in web development, software development in general, about software architecture, um, very general high-level educational content. Um, I don't have a specific niche just of yet. Still on my way to discover that. Cool. What are, what's some of the stuff that you've covered so far? Yeah, so I start. I really started my YouTube journey by talking about microservices because that's something that I've had to deal with for a while. That's something that people talk about quite a bit without really like fully knowing what the concepts are and why they exist or people start to implement those in their projects without knowing what the benefits are, what the costs are. Um, so that's how it started. Then I talked a bit about like serverless cloud, serverless computing. I talked about like Next.js and uh, like if it's a backend framework or not, that's, pro that's my biggest video, I believe. Um, yeah, and currently I'm also working on some uh, video series around stuff like domain-driven design and see if I can talk more about those concepts and make them more accessible to people who might not have the best opportunity to understand those concepts yet. How much of your content has been reacting to Theo's content? Um, honestly, it's really just that that one video that was like that that blew up to be my biggest video, which was kind of in response to stuff that Theo has said. Uh, other mm -hmm. than that, I I've reacted. I, I've only like reacted to a few of his videos on my live stream. I haven't really published any to my YouTube channel yet. So I say that I'm a content creator, by, but it's more like, yeah, I'm trying to be a content creator. I, I'm not getting too much time and bandwidth to put into that side yet. Yeah, and I think the stuff you've done has been pretty impressive. Like some people are like referring to you as like a microservice person just because you had made like one video and talked about it like a handful of times in the space, which I thought was pretty funny. So like whatever content you're creating seems to be making an impact. Good to hear. Also, by the way, right now I am in a gym and sitting on a cycle. Cycling? Yep. Staying swole? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, I don't hear any background noise, so that's good. Perfect. Now, this is a gym in my building with, like, almost no one visits. So it's, um, ah, like, it's, it's one tiny room, and I'm basically the only one in here. So I'm free to do yeah, this. Yeah, I, I have a similar setup, actually. That's pretty sweet. Cool. Um, have you gotten a chance to listen to the podcast yet? Oh, yeah. I watched, yeah, I listened to it the whole way. It's pretty funny. So some parts are pretty funny. Some parts are obviously like very um, informative, I would say. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great convo. And I'm glad for, there was a second where I thought I had not gotten the part with Colin that I realized I actually had in a different file because the way the files came out was a little bit confusing. But um, I thought having him pop in to kind of like add some color was, was great. <laughs> As I thought it was like towards the end when you were like, Colin, are you still here? He's like, yep. Just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, Jeff went on to a whole rant about Make Swift, and Colin was sitting through the whole thing, and we all were honest. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I even I even thought about like uh, mentioning Make Swift, Make Swift in my tweet, <laughs> just because like a huge portion of it was about them <laughs> featuring Make Swift, right? Phantom Make Swift, they visit Jeff Escalante. I honestly have no idea what makes with it is. I've never used it before. It's really cool, I think. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like it's the visual builder for Next.js. There you go. It's such a product that it's infected another Twitter <laughs> space. <laughs> yeah, basically, your developers can create components, custom components, and then the marketing team can come in and 
they can like uh, change things by dragging, dropping, and editing on the screen versus using code. So it's kind of cool. So why have we not had them on the space? Uh, I'll hit them up. I know all of them, so they know me. Cool. We'll get them on one of these. Uh, who's this AI Mercy? I don't, you, I don't you're know. A this is you're questionable. They only they only have jumped, six tweets and twenty one followers. Yeah. And I'm they literally a, just say no on that one. Requested. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very risky click. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they can you can make a comment if you're real, okay? If yeah. If not, then yeah. peace out. Anyway. Oh, they laughed. They're responding with laughter, so yeah. <laughs> AI's responding Still. with laughter. <laughs> what if it just like laughs and does hearts like every now and again? It's just like click, click. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know, man. I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> it's really quite challenging sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That would be really impressive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, real. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that looks real enough. I would say. All right, we'll 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 bring you up. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> I made I made the call. What's up? I brought you up, dude. Is it as a speaker? It looks like it's going. It's taking a sweet time. Yeah. Going on Twitter Spaces time. Uh huh. That's true. What's up, Chris? Hello. What's happening. What's up, fellas? I'm real. Hey, what's up? You're real. You're a real person. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a brand new Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I was curious if any of you have been building chatbots. Um, I'm like Next.js, TypeScript, React. Um, and I was wonder- but I was wondering about the intersection with Python because that's really where the power is building those. But, I mean, if you guys haven't been looking at like LangChain or any of that yet, then... Uh, I- I've checked out LangChain. Yeah, I built a kind of LangChain starter for Edgeo, and I think it's dope. I used the the JavaScript version for it instead of the Python version. So for me, I'm not really trying to like build or train models. I'm trying to hook into models that already exist in like a very easy way with a nice API. So I think LangChain is dope, and I've definitely found that the tooling, even if you don't use LangChain, just hooking it to the OpenAI API in general, like the chat completions endpoint is you basically just have an endpoint that you can throw text at and it responds like it's chat GPT and you can, you know, pick the model, you can tune how much you want to come out versus how long outputs you want and a lot of really fine grained abilities with that. So yeah, I've been doing, uh, I've been doing a lot of that with, um, yeah, the, uh, TypeScript version, um, like off of like Mayo's code base, doing a lot of document question answering bots, um, but I was looking into getting more of the generative stuff, and I know there's like Replicate AI that has endpoints you can hit uh, and use various open source models. But like the power that Langchain has in Python has me wanting to build um, APIs using Python that would talk to my Next.js app. So that's what more what I've been exploring lately. It's what exactly cool. are you able to do in the Python ones that you can't do in the JavaScript ones? Uh, the code is very minimal to do and do a lot. And um, there's just a lot more open source tools I found, like really good, quick YouTube 
scrapers. I, um, I agree. The there's like 10x more examples in in Python. It's for people who write JavaScript and want to create examples. This is like a really good space to be in right now. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Maybe start making tutorials on what I've done so far. So, what kind of stuff have you built so far? Like, what's like your use cases? Like I said, most of them were questioning and answering. So, I built one um, for an idea like of general, Hat. or for oh, so like medical stuff. Well, so <clears throat> pretty much just vectorizing various documents and then doing prompt templates to get them the output they want. Mm -hmm. um, so, like. Just prompting, prompt templating, right, and doing markdown, right, for the responses and how I want it to look. But like one was for a um, a doctor that had an idea to chat with the DSM manual about mental health stuff and psychiatry. Yeah. Uh, another totally. one I built was um, someone wanted to vectorize their YouTube transcripts um, and then put that into a vectorized database and chat That's with. Exactly uh, what I'm going to do with my podcast FS Jam, actually. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. working on doing that right now. <laughs> That's cool, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, stuff like that. And I had an idea of, like, making one to chat with declassified documents, actually. Just, like, pulling all the declass documents and just being able to ask what's been declassified so far. Um, I don't know. There's, Decla there's a lot of Declassified cool what? Like JFK documents? <laughs> oh, anything that's been declassified. Just scraping like the uh, CIA reading rooms, the DOD stuff, the, whatever's been released. Yeah, I've I've tried using it to like summarize, like using ChatGPT like summarize really like long in depth documents like that because there's so much stuff out there. It's like more than any person could ever read, you know. Yeah, and like most of them are hosted as PDFs, and now with AI, we can read PDFs really fast and. Uh, get that information and so like I mean there's there's declassified stuff on like remote viewing techniques <laughs> I mean there's all kinds of stuff <laughs> you and I have similar interests let me tell you <laughs> Ooh, Anthony has similar interests with an AI what a surprise uh, <laughs> do you know what remote viewing is Deb? remote viewing did you say yeah remote viewing I don't think so yeah it's um complicated <laughs> scott are you are you okay you you hopped in and out there i was trying to talk but it wouldn't let me all right you can talk now what's up yeah bro nifty what's up i'll bring you up to you bro um yeah i was just saying i was super excited about what he was talking about because of like some of the stuff i was doing with pdf reading and trying to create prompts for those things but i was having issues with this the prompting on some stuff to get my expected outcome. And um, anyway, I, I was just going to say, dude, I would love to uh, chat for a little bit offline. Uh, well, online, <laughs> but off of JavaScript Jam and uh, see, get your uh, input on a few things if you have the time in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Cool, man. Well, let's uh, connect. How'd you find this space, by the way? I followed uh, this Dev. Good old Dev. Dev. Yeah. How do you how do you pronounce your last name? I'm sorry. I don't want to butcher it. Don't worry about it. Dev is fine. <laughs> it's no, I want to know how to pronounce it. I'm curious. He's like, I'm not even gonna say it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's uh, Agarwal. Agarwal. Yeah. Pretty much just a little thing. Honestly, Agarwal. Yeah. Yeah. No, my other Twitter account was getting cluttered with stuff, so I made a new one just follow AI. 
AI yeah, no, yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just difficult sometimes because if you bring up someone who has like a brand new account, all sorts of wackiness can ensue. But um, definitely thank you for joining and uh, we're happy to have you here. No, I hear that. I've been in the spaces where people just throw up, yeah, crazy stuff in the mess. <laughs> yeah. So um, are you mostly a Python developer or Python and JavaScript developer? Like, what's your background? Uh, full-time React right now. Uh, yeah, okay. TypeScript, JavaScript, React. Uh, I've done a little bit of Java. I'm learning Python now more. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, Dev's done a little bit of Java, right? In college, yeah, I done, I, I've done a bit of Java and .NET in the college. Uh, not the biggest. Yeah, man, same in school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going back to Java anytime soon. But hell no. Looking at every day, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, with React Native, it's not needed anymore. I mean, at least for mobile app development, as much. Awesome, man. Hey, bro, Nifty, what's up, man? Welcome to... Yo, I just came on real quick to uh, give a short uh, quip there in response to Dev's commentary about Anthony and the AI guy connecting. <laughs> Go ahead. Got him. Got him. Then he got high five. Spicy. Yes. I love AI, guys. I love it so much. Me too. What's up? Happy decoder. Oh, hey, Anthony. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, this first time, like, uh, you know, I'm seeing you guys here. I got I got here, like, followed the tweet, tweet from Dev. Uh, yeah, just, like, saw JavaScript and, you know, just clicked on it. That's how, like, I came here. Uh, yeah, I worked like, you know, I have worked with JavaScript for like uh, most of the times. Uh, and yeah, uh, I use uh, Python mostly for, you know, uh, let's say something that I want to get done probably for, uh, you know, this uh, coding interview sort of questions like TSA and things like that. And J JavaScript is uh, sort of like, uh, I mean, uh, I love JavaScript and also Python, but yeah. And what else? Uh, let's see, you know, uh, I don't know, like, what's the plan for this particular space, but... Is it even legal to say that you love JavaScript and you love Python in the same sentence? Uh, is it not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you know one, you can let the other one pretty damn quickly. Like, I think the two go together just be, fine. I would be very sad to realize that if that's not true, but yeah, I I do love both of them, right? And yeah, but uh, I prefer like JavaScript more because I'm I code you know regularly in that, so I'm more comfortable there. But uh, yeah, I do love the kind of you know uh, I think the way you can express yourself in Python. So that's something, uh, uh, it, it feels very natural. So that part I like about Python. Uh, JavaScript, well, uh, you, you can hate it like, you know, for all that it is, but like you cannot live without that uh, on the web at least, right? So you got to do that. And I mostly work on the website. 
Uh, I, I work with React Native on the native uh, mobile app side as well. But yeah, again, that's, uh, I still say JavaScript, right? Uh, yeah, I work with Electron oh. on the desktop, and I would still say that's sort of like, uh, not JavaScript, but yeah, it is like based on JavaScript. So, I mean, all, all these frameworks and also like just sort of uh, comes... Uh, you know, if if you are on the web and working with uh, sort of cross-platform dependent uh, frameworks, right? So JavaScript comes handy there. So yeah, I do. Love yeah, that. yeah. My bootcamp, yeah, my bootcamp. They had us learn JavaScript like for the first like you know main web stuff. You learn how to like a full stack app, and they had us use Python for like the algorithm stuff you had to learn. I thought that was pretty smart, so you kind of got a taste of both. Yeah. Like Node also, if you know Node, like you won't need it. Although, especially like if you handle want to handle all the server logic, you don't need any other backend than JavaScript. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is this is JavaScript jam. So Node and yeah. front end, backend JavaScript. It's it's all all fair game here. And people who write Python are also welcome as well. We're we're open to all all types of programming, anything that you use to get stuff done. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I had a question, by the way, for uh, mostly for everyone, but specifically for Anthony and uh, AI Mercenary. So I don't know much about building AI tools, but I keep hearing uh, things about like bots and scrapers causing issues and abusing AI tools. I would love to hear more about that. I mean, I think scraping is an issue that kind of is separate from this current batch of AI stuff that's always been a problem. Maybe it's more of a problem right now because people have a new reason to scrape a bunch of data to do something with it, but that's not really new. Like people have been scraping and there's all sorts of like rules and laws, like types, certain types of what's yeah. like actually illegal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, scraping is going to be a big thing. I mean, uh, people are scraping for most up to date context, it's most up to date information. Yeah. It's what the AI is about. Oh. Right. And what about bots? Like if you're like if I build an AI tool, is it like a likely thing that some bots might target my tool and abuse it and I'll have to pay a bunch of credits? I mean, yeah, I would definitely put it behind and off and that sort of thing, yeah. Um for sure. Yeah, like and this is like just um, basically you can do rate limiters. You got like basic DDoS protection that Cloudflare has been giving forever. So like this is a this is a long this is something that's been going on for a long time, and there's already tons and tons of tools aimed at mitigating this. Yeah, Very I mostly true. brought it up because at Flirk we have been like investing into pulling like putting all of that out out of the box with Flirk. So like this is why we we have been talking to a lot more people building AI stuff, and A16Z is also like launching a uh, AI bot starter kits and stuff like that and they're choosing clerk for it because we recently released a bot detection feature like you don't have to do any sort of setup with any provider any other provider it's built into clerk now so i want to see how that plays out with applications and with ai developers i think that's one of the services i did look into using or trying at some point i may i may try it out But no, I've just been building up from like next off starters, and I mean they have um, 
They had the Vercel AI SDK that just released recently. I haven't played with it at all, but they have started templates for all that up now. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. that I didn't mess with uh, if you want to check out Clerk. If you want to check out Clerk for those tools, that would be great. You guys have a go-to landing page you're sending people to, or just go to clerk.com or clerk.com or clerk.com or clerk.com slash dot clerk.dave clerk.dave yeah just don't misspell that with d-a-v-e because that's not a t-l-d but i thought dave was your guys not yet oh yeah so do you guys did you guys have any other questions anything you were wondering about after the podcast episode anything that you didn't get to ask there um that's a good question um, are there any other people on the speaker panel who are interested in Clerk or have used Clerk? Yeah, maybe for some of your AI stuff there, AI mercenary. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, see, I want to know like what you know this whole discussion was first. Like you, you talked about like some uh, scraping rights you want to do. Uh, I mean, I don't it's know. kind of free form. It was originally meant for talking about clerk stuff, but then if other topics come up, then we talk about other topics. So it's it's kind of whatever. <laughs> right now we're talking about clerk, though. Again, it seems. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was just gonna, you know, search for it. Like, what exactly is this? I, yeah, I, uh, I I opened my laptop and it's JavaScript jam. What is this? What is clerk dot com? Uh, I've seen like your tweets, but I haven't got a chance to you know look at it. Just gonna see like what it is. Great question. Well, uh, I'm right here to help answer that. Yeah. Fortunately. <laughs> so Clerk is an authentication provider. By the way, let me know if you guys can still hear me properly. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Cool. So yeah, Clerk is an authentic authentication provider for React projects and also uh, specifically Next.js projects as well. Um, basically, if you're building an application. Uh, and you need any sort of an authorization flow like or authentication flow like login, sign up, forgot password, account settings, uh, organization settings, multi-factor, all of that is built into Clerk and we provide that out of the box. Uh, the primary way we do that is we provide you with built-in components that you can inject into React application or really any application, but React, uh, if you put it into React application, that's the DX that we focus on that we try to streamline as much as possible. But obviously, you can use Clerk.js with any front-end framework. Um, the components have like a fully built-in login, sign-up, verification flow, everything. We also have components for like account settings, account profile, uh, adding multi multiple factors, changing passwords, OAuth, and everything. Yeah. And we also uh, some some of the features that I really like are uh, organizations because that's something that I've struggled with building on my own for projects for a while. So you can just have like if you want some sort of a collaboration or some sort of multi-tenancy if you're building something for B2B for organizations, then uh, all the capabilities that you might need there are built into Clerk. And then on top of that, we just talked about AI tools and. Um, how like if you're building AI tools, it's likely to get abused by bots and stuff. So uh, we also have bot detection now built into Clerk. So you don't need to do any sort of additional setup to uh, 
with Cloudflare or anything like that. It's all built into Cleric now. And um, it's free up until the 999th user. Is that true? Yeah, or so how? there's a free there's a free tier, and uh, we are overhauling the pricing model and the pricing page right now. So, um, like whatever you see on the pricing page right now is going to be different in a few days or in a few weeks. Is this a good thing for users? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're dropping the pricing and we are also making it simpler to understand. All right, you heard it first on JavaScript Jam, y'all. Hey, Dom, I see you out there in the audience, man. You come up if you want. We'd love to hear from you, as always. Come up but here, Dom. You can also oh, Dom, Dom is also a sick a bit, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I got to know, like, you know, what clerk is. Uh, uh, and it makes sense, right? Uh, so, like, the AI aspect is just for the bot detection, or, like, it's more than, you know, that. And uh, uh, so, if I understood, like, this is also uh, mostly a React component, right, that you can plug into your React app, or uh, when you say, like, you can use it in any other frameworks as well, like, do you have different components with, for them, or, like, it's just, uh, you know, somehow, like, in the React component. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we have SDKs for React frameworks like Remix, Gatsby, mm -hmm. Redwood. Of course, Redwood is in there. Um, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. Uh, I tried out Redwood last week. It was pretty fun. I'll have to do it. Yeah, uh, you did. Give it a double take. Oh, wait. No, not last week. The before last week. Um, anyways, uh, if you're not in a React project, what you can do is uh, like load ClickJS, which is uh, a script that basically all the other, other wrappers uh, all the other SDKs use under the hood, uh, but you can use ClerkJS directly, and uh, what that will give you is like a Clerk object, and you can do Clerk dot open sign in. That's a method that you can call, and that will open the sign up modal, uh, and that that's the pre built component that we have, and uh, you don't need to be using React on your project to be able to use these components. You can still import and use all the components uh, as you would even if you're in a Vue or Angular or Svelte application or even just a vanilla JS application. Very cool. I think I'll give it a shot on my new site. Awesome, yeah, and DM me yeah. if you have any questions. And uh, as, uh, as for the nice. about the AI tools, uh, bot detection is how we are starting it, but we are absolutely open to feedback from uh, people building AI tools about what they need and how and also cleric, but A16 Zero and recent how Horowitz in general, like they're doing a lot of tech stuff to make uh, make developing AI tools easier. Good name drop. Good name drop. Yep. Uh, I'm, I am biased by the way because A16Z is a supporter of Clerk. So take that into account. But obviously, we love everything they're doing in general. Yeah, no, they're they're great. They're very they're very big on crypto, which I like. Um, what are some other cool things that are happening with Clerk right now, aside from the bot detection? Yeah, uh, I only cool like hiring hiring the entire internet. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was exactly yeah. going to bring up that because uh, we have been like mm. uh, in the last few months, Clerk has seen a lot of growth and. We are like we are hiring like crazy right now. So if if you're looking for like a 
a growing startup to work at, Dirk is hiring. Make sure you fill out the application and we'll definitely get to it. I'm really excited. Like Dom has just been hired as the Dev- as the head of DX, or sorry, head of DevRel, and he's my new boss. So I'm very happy to work with him. Do you need an AI mercenary? That's the question. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Do you need an AI mercenary? An AI mercenary. Are you hiring AI mercenaries? I would love to consider that. Dom throws out the heart. Episode for sure. There you go. I'm sure they'd be open to a conversation at the very least. So, getting their DMs, slide in there. Also, what's up, Fuzzy Bear? I see you, Fuzzy Bear. It's fuzzy time. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't very fuzzy, was he? <laughs> fuzzy Wuzzy was the Scottish. Yes, he is. <laughs> and bald, bro. No, I have no idea. For real, honestly. Well, That's what has a little hat. In case someone was wondering what, what we were talking about before the podcast episode, it was basically this happening for two hours straight before we actually got to record the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. No, it might have been three hours, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it was fun, though. <clears throat> and lots of karaoke from, from Dave. It's true. Yeah, specifically Eminem. I heard it. I heard it without me. Yes, it was good. So fuzzy. Waka, 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 yo. <laughs> He's good. How are you, though? <laughs> Doing good. Oh. We're just chatting some clerk here yeah, with Dave. Yeah. I heard it sounded really interesting. Sorry, I caught only like the last five minutes of it. Late to the party as always. How do you feel about rolling your own off? Honestly, I like what we say in security. You know, from a security point of view, is don't build your own off like pipeline. Leverage something that's already there. You go. Don't roll your own off. You heard it from the fuzzy himself. It is like you know. Honestly, it's a great exercise. It's a great technical exercise. It's a great learning opportunity for people to do it. But don't roll it into production. There is so many gotchas, foot guns, fucking trap doors that you need a de- you know a designated team of specialists who could actually you know who are aware of take the, the blame. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit, I got hacked. Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> Take that liability and hand it to someone else. Damn right. Damn right. I mean, that's a, yeah. <laughs> you know, insurance contracts are there for a reason, guys. <laughs> one of the one of the one of the hacks uh, I, I sign up to the mm-hmm. um, get the notifs of actually a lot of people, including you, Fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, security guy who. Um, reports all of the exploits of the big companies like oh someone someone got hacked and these many people uh, uh email address and password got uh, leaked and, and it's on the d- deep or dark web or whatever yeah to, to, to me it seems like the strangest speaking of foot guns and gotchas and in the oauth flow and, and just auth in general security in general mm-hmm. it seems to me like a very strange thing where um people would actually keep passwords in plain text in a database and, and not hash and uh, salt and hash them. I, I, I do not understand <laughs> anyone would do yeah. that. Yeah. We've seen that in, in actual in, the, in, in life. It's like 
um, with the Security Knowledge Foundation group, right, it's like that um, I'm part of, it's like we've actually seen, I think it was, without we're not allowed to name names, but there was like three um, three projects that we've seen that were, that were surprisingly easy to get past, right? And it looks like, you know, it's like you have your single sign-on flows, you have your, you know, your your atypical authentication work, uh, you know, user address flows, but nonetheless, they weren't secure end to end. Those those you know values are not encrypted from the client outwards. They think HTTPS, everything's good, but no, you can still, you know, with the right toolkits, man in the middle attack those shit. You know, it is um, what I've found, especially moving into security and cybersecurity and getting trained in that, is that as developers, there is a level of um, we're not fully aware of the technical considerations that need to be made when it comes to developing secure software. Full stop. We're we're so enamored with the that the frameworks are going to take care of it, the libraries are going to take care of it, and by us like placing our the responsibility further away from us and onto these packages that we just accuse, it is blind faith. And and that blind faith is where the problems inherently come from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you very much for that. And it's I want to say something about this like roll your own auth debate that's been happening on Twitter for a bit now. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, like, like it seems months. very yeah, it seems like very naive to me because like even if we go back to like early two thousands or like late nineteen hundreds. Like uh, one of one of the most influential books in software development that has came out is Domain Driven Design, and uh, mm -hmm. it's like very very widely considered to be like a must-have for like most software developers. And yep. uh, like even far back then, uh, these concepts and these guides these guides of software development they always talked about the this thing called the generic or the supporting domain. And these are things about your application, things about your software that are not you are actually building and these things should always be like either you pick something off the shelf or you outsource it somehow and you you never should be able, uh, should have to spend your time building generic features that a have already been built b are mm -hmm. technically complex to build and c like it's not the competency it's not the thing that you want to be building that's not what separates your application or your business from a different application. That's your core features, and you should not be building those on your own. And th this idea has been around for like decades. So when I hear about people like, oh, I'm going to roll my own auth, it's very clear to me that, uh, first of all, they think auth is a simple enough problem that they can solve with mm -hmm. stitching together some open source libraries. And second, like they haven't, they haven't spent enough time building all of those features or even taking into consideration everything that they might need or they will need and how they're going to incorporate that into their system. I, you're spot on with that. See, my place, my understanding when it comes to OAuth is like, um, I mean, I had to write about four, no, I have about four presentations on the subject, right, about the different types of authorization flows, the history of it all. And when I was going through it, it's, Authorization on the web has been playing catch up to the different technologies that are out there. If anything, it's like I've always seen that um, the progression of having secure authorization is never a complete story. People think that, yeah, I, 
you know, I'm authenticated, I'm authorized to you you look at a particular view or access a set of data that is secure. And is the false sense of um, it is just pure naivety to think that what you do online is at all at any point secure. Rolling your own OAuth is the height of um what's the what's a polite way of saying this? Um banality is to say that I am more technically superior in my ability and um than what is currently out there and you know and used in industry. It's a type of hubris. Oh that's the word I was looking for hubris. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. DHH writing blog after blog about why you shouldn't be on cloud and build your own data centers. <laughs> it's something, it's not exactly that, but it's like. Are you accusing DHH of hubris? Is accusations, inference. Potato tomato. No, it's your spot on there, Bayer. It's. I. I mean, personally speaking, there is new things coming out, like, for instance, Kappa 2, right, um, when it comes to, like, you know, providing manifest data. We're now in a point where the web is not open. Everything is documented and traced, right? So we no longer have the ability for privacy in the online. We no longer have the ability to have secure communication and dialogues between individuals online. Um, Unless you're a hardcore nerd about security and do everything yourself, like that's that's actually the one case to roll everything yourself. Because if you do it top to bottom and spend five years becoming a security expert, then you can actually be secure in your own thing. You're not running through other people's system. It's a question like, is that really worth it? You know? I mean, that's how you end up with blockchain. Exactly. So I think there is a case to be made for for some people. It is worth it. Like you know, people working for the CIA, maybe. Hmm. I mean, it's like I I've, I know two security experts. Like one's an offense, their brothers. One's an offensive cybersecurity. Um, he basically run, does the cybersecurity for IGN, right, the insurance company. And speaking to Glenn about things like authorization, blockchain, these cryptography techniques, his he's always like your whatever the cryptography. T- I mean, it's like what really is at the heart of this, right? It's not people rolling their own OAuth. It's people thinking that they can do a master cryptography or try to do something unique in terms of like trying to make it even more encrypted, you know, encrypted. Well, you um, don't need to though because there is cryptography that does work. So if you yeah, learn how cryptography I mean, works, you can learn what's actually crackable and what's not. And people who think that on. they need to build something better than what we already know is like, you can't crack it in the span of the universe without a quantum computer, you know? Like, that stuff is pretty solid. We have, um, someone has their hand up, actually. I'd like to bring AI in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to leave, but uh, nice meeting you all. Uh, follow me back, and I can message you all. I followed you all. Yeah, Appreciate sure. the conversation. Appreciate it, man. Hey, if you got value from AI, click on him and follow. Obviously, you'll you'll find value in other places as well with him if, if you follow him. So, thanks. Awesome. And anybody else up here that you feel like you've gotten value from, please feel free to do that. And by the way, if you're not already uh, uh, subscribed to JavaScript GM, go to JavaScriptGM.com, subscribe to our newsletter so you can hear the latest in Web and JavaScript um, and also know what we're going to be talking about on Wednesday. So 
We do this every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, by the way, if you're a beginner or an advanced user or, or developer, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. So feel free to request to come up here, just like several other people have, and uh, ask questions, take comments, facts, opinions, whatever. We love to hear from you. Uh, it just helps to increase the value here that everybody's uh, getting delivered, and um, we have a fun time. So as you can tell, uh, if you're listening to this so, recording, thank you. you. I really appreciate y'all. Yeah, and I will say one more thing. I... I have been like reading newsletters and blogs and stuff like that, like for five, six years now. And the JavaScript jam is easily one of my favorite today. And I'm not paid to say this. Hey. I'm not only saying this because Anthony is my friend, but it's legitimately something. <laughs> well, one of the very that. few news- newsletters that I look forward to reading each week. Oh, I, I appreciate well. that. That makes me want look forward yes. to writing it more. <laughs> <laughs> it's one that I, I get every week because it's part of my job, and I'm always glad I do. Sometimes I feel like they're better than others, but I always try and make it worthwhile. Anthony is one of the best aggregators in the business. I looked at his uh, his GitHub, like his GitHub is. I, I love his uh, profile, like that you have the, the that, that markdown page for your, you know, when you first go to my my everything doc, <laughs> everything is, I've ever done doc. Fabulous. I love that. And then, yeah, you, you're a great aggregator, man. You, you like, you, you keep your, your ear to the grindstone or whatever the term is. Like, you know, what's going on, your finger on the pulse. You got it. You got it down, man. You're really good at it. So, yeah. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's something that you build up over many, many years and following the right podcasts and the right other newsletters. Like I'll see Peter, Peter Cooper's newsletters. If you just follow those, like I'll say 90% of the material I get for the newsletter is just from following those. Like those will really keep you pretty much up with the industry. And it's like I just kind of take that and then add a bit more. It's like explanatory content around it, you know. But yeah, no, I'd really appreciate that though. Awesome. Yeah, put the Anthony spin on it. We all love the Anthony spin. <laughs> it just involves ninety percent Anthony and ten percent ChatGPT. <laughs> right, yeah. 10% totally. really? That low? I mean, <laughs> it kind of depends. It depends how, like, like this this week's was 0% ChatGPT. If I'm, if I'm summarizing an article, it'll be a lot more ChatGPT, but this one, 100% Anthony. Nice. Well, folks, you heard it. If you want 100% Anthony, <laughs> you got to subscribe. <laughs> Go to JavaScriptJam.com to get 100% Anthony. Uh, anyway, yeah, awesome. These have been some great conversations. Let's let's keep it rolling. Yeah, I figured, you know, like I was, there's like a lot of, a lot of things to learn, you know, from you guys, obviously. Uh, I mean, I've already, just to make that sure, I already followed like, you know, each one of you and would want to be around. Uh, that's there. Uh, what do you want to learn about? What's the top of your learning list? I, I don't know. Uh, just like, you know, when I scroll uh, scroll down my Twitter, it's something, you know, uh, because now that I've spoken with you guys, obviously it makes more sense that, you know, I can relate to the content. So that way, obviously it helps. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, my mind was still stuck, you know, at that point. About, uh, what was that? Authentication, basically outsourcing your authentication versus authorization. This whole 
bunch, right? Authentication. Is there any other JavaScript news of the week? Anyone else wants to talk about? Could you hear Happy Decoder talking or no? Eh? Eh? What's up in the world? Do you still keep up with Astro at all, Fuzzy? (laughs) I think Anthony can't hear anybody. I, in a sense, I don't know. Not able to hear people. Anthony, can you hear anybody? I actually hear you, Anthony. Can I hear God, can you kick Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Uh, All right, my my internet just went. My internet just went haywire. What's going on? Is he back? Can he you hear me? Now? Hello. No, he can't. Uh, okay, can I'm gonna. Anthony. I'll slack him. Yeah, we can hear him. He just can't hear us. I'm gonna slack him real mm-hmm. quick. Um, uh, you can't hear us. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. <laughs> he said, sorry, I got it. He's coming back. <laughs> On off at the router. That's all you need today. Yeah. He'll be back in just a oh, moment, man. folks. All right. Do you know something, right? Uh, Talk about Astro and over. authentication, right? Um, Matt Phillips from the Astro Core team, right? It's like, if no, like, the actual Astro Core team, right, is just, we've got, so many amazingly unique, talented individuals working on that project. Matt is like an he's he's an amazing engineer, like an amazing engineer. He's just put out a wee tweet that's kind of on point with what we're talking about in terms of authentication. He's just basically said authentication should be built into HTTP, not the web, into the protocol itself. You shouldn't have to specify the app to use SHH. You shouldn't need to write a client app to authenticate with an HTTP endpoint. I mean, there's some sort of path built into HTTP. It's just absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a, as a standard goes, it's like, it's, there, HTTP has took us to the point where we can, we're now looking at level three and possibly a bit more beyond that. Um, HTTPS, like I said, is not entirely secure. You can easily, there is ways for you to, potentially man-in-the-middle man attack, that stuff. So given the point that, you know, it's like we've layered authentication on top of the protocols, and that is what the, the crux of the matter is. If you have the authentication tied into the actual protocol standards themselves, we would the world be a different place? That's just a hypothetical question that I'd like to ask. I think there there's a problem with, like, trying to build use cases directly into the platform and uh, HTMX is a good example of this, I think, because uh, it, like they claim to be following just the hate OS, uh, hate OS standard, which is like kind of the protocol built on top of HTTP and REST. But um, like it also limits their use cases. And uh, the creator talks about this in his blog post that yeah, it's because because HTMX follows the protocol and it's simple to use. It also uh, limits the the use cases of HTMX by quite a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. while like it's still it's still simple enough that you can use it for most of your application in some way. There's always mm-hmm. things that you you'll want to do that HTMX is not able to, and you'll have to include more JavaScript frameworks at that point. So I think that's something similar to it to something like Auth, where see it it was built into the platform a while ago. But now no one uses it because the use cases have evolved beyond that drastically. 
And uh, if mm-hmm. we take whatever the current thing is and somehow build that into the platform, once again, we'll run into the issue like five years from now or 10 years from now that, oh, what's built into the platform is not enough. And we have to do something custom on top of it anyways. And we are also seeing something similar with like web standards of request response, form data. Like there are frameworks mm-hmm. just uh, dropping down to, hey, we expose web standards, let's use it, go to MDN. But then like, mm-hmm. the, it's a horrible API. It's not like good enough that, to use everywhere. There is a very good reason why we built abstractions on top of it so that they're easier to work with. I agree, but for me, it's like, hmm, I've got this more of a purist sense of mentality when it comes to development. I'd rather stick closer to the standards than, you know, go in with the abstractions because those abstractions have penalties, have unforeseen consequences that, like, when it comes to a security point of view. Now, one thing that we are got into the habit of over the last couple of months. Now, this is the reason why I've not been pretty much back on the scene in terms of develop, DevRel, et cetera, is because I've been really heads down focused with the work that I'm doing currently with the Linux Foundation. And as a result, it's like, as part of the flow of the organization, now we have Open G- Now, I'm involved with the OpenJS group now, you know, 84 packages that, is, that everybody uses from Express, Fastify, freaking you name it, it's in there, right? Apart from the frameworks. And there's a reason why the frameworks are not part of the OpenGS, that, you know, core group, is that these are not projects that, you know, we see, like, that can actually add real value to the web over the long term. We're of the opinion that these frameworks are today's, you know, new Vogue, and we don't bet into that. So I just want to say from that point of view, it's like the more you keep, the more you like you force yourself to go down the path of, you know what, it might be difficult, it might be hard, and it might be ugly. But I'd rather use the standards and those defined protocols, right? And not work with the abstractions, knowing that somebody might have made a mistake somewhere else. And not only that, nobody's actually doing any dependency. It's like the depend. Nobody really knows what dependencies are there after you know is applied thereafter. So you have vulnerabilities inherently brought into the project by using these abstractions, and that is a cost that amplified in production costs a lot of fucking money. Do you know about socket uh, frost? I love socket. I love socket. Those boys have literally took the arse out of MPN. Like, I love what they go, those boys are doing. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's um, it's a project for people who don't know that is meant to kind of give a higher level security scan of your dependencies mm-hmm. and figure out, like, how can actual, like, att- what is the attack vector of NPM, mm-hmm. which is actually quite massive when you get right down to it. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly the largest in the world. It's huge. Like NPM is like, personally speaking, I I don't put my stuff on. It's like whatever I put on NPM is all private. I've never so, published anything on NPM. <laughs> I, I've got three packages on NPM back from my early days, right? And to be honest, they're dead. They, they don't work properly, right? I haven't maintained them, right? But for me, I don't even download from NPM. Like you say, Socket is a great way of doing it, right? And um, I would honestly take... Uh, 
a second to basically say to the group, take a good look at whatever dependencies you're bringing into your project, make sure you can verify them, make sure you can audit them. Because there is legislation coming in, especially in the US side of things, right? Going to be brought into the EU pretty soon as well. But they're looking at um, security bill of materials. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this, S-bombs. This is a real thing. This is coming. Yeah, we right? had someone talking about S-bombs. Uh, dude, when was that? Several months ago. Who the heck was that? Oh, I'll have to think about it later. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's like, I'm glad that you guys have been already, you know, brought up and made about, made aware of it because this is this is the new shift that's coming into the industry. It's basically, it's, it is brought down from a compliance point of view to help the insurance industry to help you know satisfy the requirements when it comes to companies being exposed, hacked, or you know <laughs> commercially compromised in a, in a better way of saying it. And the whole point of S bombs is that the software bill of materials is that every time you make a you know you release a package, you would release the entire. A dependency graph and you know what and if it has been audited from their source now security you know experts they go about just all they do is freaking audit shit right they can't get no security expert could ever guarantee you 100 percent security but what they can tell you is that these things might fuck you in the future and in a sense if you're not looking at your dependencies, if you're not looking at the projects and those abstractions that you're you, that you're leveraging to help your workflow, then you are in a vulnerable vulnerable position from the get go. So I like to say it again to the group is like just to be a wee bit more cognizant of what it is that we are using, and would you rather leverage the speed and the abstraction right of development to the cost to the actual mitigating cost of consequential harm and damage yeah i think the thing that really drives us home for most devs is what you get through their head that like these dependencies you're downloading onto your own computer means that whatever you do on your own computer is potentially vulnerable which can be mm -hmm. kind of a scary concept <laughs> exactly i mean it's like like the lot of us we got a computer we don't jack it around on it we, we use it for our work you know it's like working containers working sandboxes it's it is a pain in the ass to do, but it's safety for you. You know, it's like put a condom on it, put a container around it. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here, folks, from Fuzzy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for going on a security rant today. Like, <laughs> so no, I mean, this is security rants again. This this ties into the whole the whole topic here of whether to roll your own auth or not, and how to think about security. Mm. And like, when you bring it down to like the personal. Like you understand more, it's like you want your customers stuff to be as vulnerable as you are. Do you want you want you want yourself to be very secure? You want your customers yeah. to be very secure too. Exactly, because it's like it's fundamentally, albeit we're developing online, you know, we're developing products and tools, etc., to help you know other consumers. We still have an obligation, a duty of care to these people. We have a duty, you know, we have an obligation to not build a broken web or a bad web. You know, we we have a duty and an obligation. It's, it's unspoken, but like the moment we get to put into this trade, you know, we are those who are helping to develop the future of the web. And like Dev Baya said earlier, right, um, Dev Agro said earlier was that there is standards that have been placed for decades that nobody really pays attention to at the detriment of everything else. 
Yeah, and I kind of wanted to circle back to the standards conversation a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so you, you, you were talking about that, yeah, you'd rather use standards rather than abstractions that other people built. And I completely understand this position. I completely respect this position. Um, one of the people who I look up to quite a bit is Brian LaRue. And he has similar ideas around like using the web standards, uh, not... Sorry, Baya, you broke up there. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so one of the, I was talking about Brian LaRue, who is uh, like someone I follow on Twitter and his thoughts are like, I respect him quite a bit. It's just like sometimes I have a hard time agreeing with him, but he has similar thoughts on like using the web standards, building web components, just writing HTML, and uh, not having to do like a lot of bundling, transpiling, compiling, things like that to write web applications. And I completely understand this position. It's just that uh, even like uh, if someone is working on the standard, standards are also just an abstraction on top of other, like whatever underneath a platform underneath there is. It's just like we call it standard because it's created by like this group of people who put a lot of thought into it and try to account for every use case. So like I, I don't really see a, a very meaningful distinction between an abstraction created by a standards team versus an abstraction created by just me, maybe. The one that I'm going to create is going to be more specific to my use case. The one that the standards team will create is going to be a lot more standardized. So it's not going to be as helpful to me but it's going to be more stable and secure. So I think it's just a mm-hmm. matter of trade-off. And I completely I'll, understand the trade-off that you're willing to make. I respect that, Baya. For me, I, I just want to make a tangential point, right? Um, on the same vein, hopefully, if I could keep the train of thought going. Um, back when I was um, studying chemistry, right? It was like, there, like, for instance, chemistry, biology, and physics, the three core sciences, right, have standards that are placed there they have shared nomenclature they have shared terminology they have shared you know um descriptive terms right that could be described that could be written down and then sent into the ether and then other people and then just you know in that field can infer what is being said right in a similar sense those stand those standards like you're saying you know where are more like in the lines of discoveries Right. And what you're saying is that my discovery for my use case is more specific to me than it is for everyone else. I get that. I've worked in, you know, situations where that is the case where you need to think, you know, it's like the standards only take me 80 percent of the way. The remaining 20 percent is something that I'm going to have to come up with some sort of level of ingenuity to to try and accomplish my task. However, what we're what we've been taught is that there is the is the Occam's razor approach. These things have been done in the past. They've been tested in the past. They've been worked on in the past. Just because you're coming to it in the present doesn't mean you're unique in the sense that you're the first person dealing with this issue. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's completely understandable. And so that is that is why I would like again coming back to the point of you know it's like the standards versus you know personal abstractions. I would I'm always more keen if I have to go and make a person you know my own personal abstraction. I know I'm not understanding the problem correctly. I see an answer, I see a solution. And I think that is the right way of doing it. Fair enough, I'll go off and do it. But there's a part of me that's always apprehensive to think, has somebody done this before? 
what is the, the you know, what is the production way of doing this, right? What is the way that the industry would accept this? Or when we describe industry, what the what is the way that the market would take to this? And when it comes to, you know, the groups of like those who develop the standards, you know, the, like the like the TC nine groups, the the browser vendors themselves that implement it, etc. Yeah, those are now informalized democratic processes and institutions that are just taking hold. For us to turn around, was you know what, these guys are half wrong and half right. We're building a broken web. Yeah, that's uh, that's a fair stance. I think I still yeah. think it it comes down to kind of like trade offs and use cases and what you're willing to accept for your specific project or your specific team that's working on it. But um, yeah, uh, just uh, just dropping back to standards as much as you can is a completely valid position. And there's some great uh, there's some nice perks that come with it. Can I? I also want to really quick go back to that S bomb thing you're talking about. I did find. What I remembered, it was actually, so we had this summit called Composability Summit last, uh, what was it, June, July, June? Yeah. Um, Composability of 2022, not 23. Yeah, 2022, exactly. Um, So anyway, um, and we had Barack Bruto on from Scribe, um, and he talked about SBOM. And, you know, he said, basically, it's like an ingredient list for your software artifact. It can help you see dependencies all the way through your software supply chain, like a food ingredient list. It allows you to see if there's anything in that software you might be allergic, quote unquote, to, <clears throat> be it like a specific package or a specific package license. In a world where 80% of code is open source with unclear proven- provenance, increasing the visibility of what is <clears throat> what it is you're getting or delivering has a lot of value in increasing software trust. Uh, basically, he's showing like the minimum requirements of an SBOM, uh, what those are, covering some recent U.S. regulations requiring use of an SBOM, and then demonstrating an open source tool for creating SBOMs from Docker images. So kind of cool thing. If you want to check out that uh, talk, you can go to, I linked it up at the top here in the Jumbotron. Uh, go take a look and, uh, yeah, hear it out. No, I'm going to check that out right after this. That is like, yeah, we, it's that's really cool, dude. Thanks for posting that. By the way, Nikki T, welcome to the stage. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Nikki T. <laughs> Yo. Nick, what's up? Yeah. You've been doing software for a long time. I'm sure you have security thoughts. Yeah. Well, the uh, I, I came in late here, so I might have I probably missed like a huge chunk of the discussion. But uh, I've had the privilege of maintaining a custom SAML implementation with a bit of with a dash of OAuth. Uh, and I honestly wouldn't want to wish it on anybody. Uh, you know, it's there's the standards we're all talking about, and SAML is a security standard, but it's 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 pretty complicated. And like we were doing hacks, there was bugs, and like at the end of the day, me and one of the sales engineers convinced the client to go with like an off the shelf thing uh is years ago this is when i was doing dot net but but you know so like i don't know i, I kind of lean towards trust trust the experts and go with with that you know whatever it is um i'm just mentioning 
that because obviously devs on here talking with clerk and stuff. And I, I think if people are specialized in security, you know, and they have solutions, it's probably a, a good route to go. That's why people use something like clerk or Okta or OAuth or open ID, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is also the reason why people use social logins, maybe, maybe less so Facebook because, because uh, it's Facebook, but you know, you know, like using Google to sign into a million places, GitHub, like we're all devs. We, anywhere that GitHub is, uh, you know, available to log in, most of us probably sign in. And the other thing is I used to work in McAfee and I used to work on their password browser extension. So think of like one password. It's, uh, it was their offering. This is like back in 2016, but there's this, you know, when it comes to security, there's this balance between like me the person i want my things secure but i also want it easy you know and those things are they're like they're at odds to some degree you know nowadays these things are a lot better because we have for example you know biometrics like i remember when we were first looking at this uh back in 2016 you know mcafee was starting to use biometrics face id i mean that's why all these things exist on our devices. You know, it's not just to, to have a cool selfie or something, um, you know, uh, but even with all these things to make them simple still, you know, you'll still hear about people like losing their login for like Apple or whatever, you know, and there's like, there's a ton of things you have to do. You have to back up like a recovery key and stuff. Like, even though things are a lot more simplified still, like security is still a complex thing and it's, it's very hard in general to make something complex simple. And I, I always give this example of uh, I snowboard. Uh, and so like I have a Thule box on my roof. Thule makes amazing products. And so I'm okay paying more for it. They have a thing where it's like I can open up my, my snowboard box on, my le on the left or right of the car. Whereas if you buy a cheaper model, you know, it's like, you can only open it on one side and stuff. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this exactly, but uh, anyways. Uh, and then the only other thing I was going to say is just uh, about like going to bare metal, like uh, Dev was saying with like, uh, you know, standards and stuff. Like obviously you want to, <clears throat> you, you definitely want to build off web standards, but these abstractions exist. Like there's a reason why we have frameworks. It's because like you could, you could do this all by hand, but like the amount of time to, create something that's like, you know, the render in React is, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. It, and, and this gets back to my point about something complex is, is, is given to you in a, a simpler way. And, and, you know, so like, I always like to say, like, making complex things simple is very difficult. And simple doesn't mean it's like trivial. It's just, it's, it takes so much effort to make something complex simple. So Anyways, just a bit of a brain barf post Twitch stream. So, Nick, are you are you uh, using the um, SAML profile for OAuth two? Oh, I'm not. I don't work in this anymore. At the time, this was for managing uh, six SharePoint applications. So, basically, it was using an identity provider. You know, like using Microsoft stuff. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and you got your claims and stuff like, uh, I'm sure all the, the clerk folks know about all these things, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but just wanted to give my two cents about some experiences I had.
Yeah. Okay. I did disconnect there for a bit. I wasn't able to hear what Nick was saying for like the first five minutes. Oh, good. We got some new people up he here said, to air, air do some cells. Oh, go ahead. He said, Clark, he said, Clark sucks. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Never use Clark. It's only for a jerk. Side note, I have used Clark. I had James, one of their DevRels, uh, did a stream with him last year. And honestly, it was yeah, super simple to get up and running with it, honestly. Uh, I, I listened to the podcast yesterday, but they, they have a lot of great stuff in there, like the built the you know the you know the the pre-existing components for doing all the common stuff like honestly it's 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 really polished really well done nice i wanted to second that clerk has really spent a fair bit of time on this and i think yeah they're they're looking good you know as, a, as an offering they're looking really good that's all i've got to say awesome super appreciate uh, all of this yeah uh jeff and travis you guys want to introduce yourselves Hey, I'm Jeff. I'm currently on vacation, uh, so I might not be here for long. Uh, cool, thanks for joining. For the family. So, if you hear any babies in the background, that's why. But wanted to tune in for a little bit and say what's up. I um, work at Clerk. I do a lot of things there. It's hard to say what exactly I do, but I'm having a good time doing it, and uh Happy to speak to anything that I can speak to around here. And Epic thanks for work me. life balance, bro. Right. <laughs> thanks for joining though. That's awesome. What is work life balance? I don't understand the concept. <laughs> Being on holiday still having to work. That's 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 what work life balance is. Being on holiday and still having to work. I just want to say, Jeff, I was I've been doing the same. I'm now in Canada. And yeah, I'm still in front of the laptop. <laughs> yeah, when I mean, yeah, I feel like work-life balance is a weird thing, right? Ultimately, like you could kind of choose what you want to be doing and when you want to be doing it. But like sometimes I'll be like end of the day, like everyone's kind of just hanging out, like on their phones or computers. And I'm like checking in on some messages to make sure I don't get too far behind. And people are like, log off, go enjoy your vacation. I'm like. It's fine, you know, like, I'm doing this on purpose. Like, thank you. Thank you for Jeff doesn't like being told what to do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, heck, when you're so passionate about something, you just can't get away from it, can you? I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just a matter of, like, trying to not fall outrageously behind when there's not really anything else going on versus being like, oh, I'm going to, like, you know, skip this, like, crucial like thing that i'm doing my family or friends or like i'm not gonna i feel obligated to do it or somebody's telling me to do it right i feel like there's a big difference i don't know <laughs> looks like my daughter's weren't speaking of which so <laughs> i'll stop talking but i feel like there's a whole topic you could do about this area oh yeah totally yeah and it, it didn't help that the the, clo- the people i know the most are the people i'm closest to in the industry are people like People like Theo, people like James, people like Anthony, who probably like, uh, like it's not helpful Have if I'm bad trying to learn what work-life work balance is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, we're I, I'm pretty unhealthy about that. <laughs> My shit is just all mixed up. Is there's no concept whatsoever of work-life balance. Pretty bad. Trying to trying to work that out. But um, Travis, what's up, man? What's up? Um, speaking of work-life balance, I think I'm finding it because like this new gig that I just started, 
their security is forcing me to like do extra work to put Slack on my phone with them. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. And so that means I don't get Slack messages outside of work hours. So it's actually kind of been nice not seeing messages from around the, the company after hours. Nice. I must say, the UK is looking to put in legislation. So is the EU, right, to actually mandatory, you know, say, like, if you're working is between certain hours and you have the right not, you know, to, what is it they call it, a right to a personal life? I love the fact that you have to legislate this shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's people need to stand up for their own self-respect and tell their bosses that at a certain point. But I agree, having it enshrined in a law would probably be useful. Sometimes people don't even know they can stand up. Like I've had times where my boss was like, why didn't you just tell me you were on vacation? I would have mentioned. It's like, oh, I didn't think like that would be He's like, yeah, just tell me. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just get like too wrapped up in our own like self-worth or like, you know, too scared to like rock the boat that we're just like, ah, I guess I'll just keep answering questions on vacation. When instead, like they would be like, yeah, that's fine. Go take off <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Is a, this is like a personality trait agreeableness some people are more agreeable than others some people will just kind of take it and some people will be like what no screw that and it's like <laughs> it's 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 yeah. hard for people who are i know people who are definitely more on the agreeable side and i have been in the past and i kind of had to like learn to take exactly. a stand for my own you know right yeah. to not have ridiculous work hours yeah no and not just that not just about hours but like no is a very powerful word and it can get you to a lot of different places in life uh, because it's going to, you know, put things in priority for yourself and allow you to do things and help you accomplish things in, in life. That you never thought you could because um, yeah. Yeah. The word no, I mean, it's, it's powerful. It's good. It's not necessarily bad. Either. It's a great thing. I love that Jeff took some time to talk about cleric and now we're all roasting him for <laughs> Not having a work-life balance, apparently. <laughs> no, actually, I respect his his clear headedness around when no, he I thought it was engage and, and not. I think he actually has a really clear idea of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't find it anything is, wrong with it. Uh, going back on the power of no, there. Like, there's one time we were we were absorbed with another team, and they start telling us all the stuff that this upper management person wanted would do with this other team. And we're like, okay, well, here's the process. We want it. You put it on our board. We backlog it. And we put it in our sprints just like anything else. And after him doing that one time, he never asked us for anything ever again. All this quote-unquote important work when he didn't have a team that would like just roll over and do it for him whenever he wanted, all of a sudden didn't become very important. That's a good um, – that's, that's bold, Travis. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, sometimes uh, managers can be abusive. Um, it can be helpful to work with friends and uh, people that you trust and already already know already. Like build a community first, and then like work together. Like be productive and not just like uh, no, nobody's like pulling pulling dead weight or dead weight or whatever. Everybody's contributing and like we're all like making money together and like n- nobody has to. It's like a team, team sports, and, and you like trust and, and, and like the people you work with. It's a different, definitely different arrangement than uh, like the classical kind of uh, big corporate, uh, like a slate, like a uh, what do you call it, a uh, sweatshop. All right, I do actually have to go. Sorry, friends.
wish I could join for that. Right, thanks for stopping by, man. Well, thanks for hanging out. I'll, appreciate I'll, it. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to catch up on the recording. I'll, I'll be there next time when I'm not on vacation. <laughs> See y'all. Yeah, the, the other thing about the power of no is it's, it's not it's not a bad thing. You know, like people like I, I, right. I was guilty of this when I was younger in my career. But like, you know, when when you're a new dev, it's like, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. And you end up kind of shooting yourself in the foot because you say you can do a bunch of things and then you kind of like end up half assing like a bunch of things. And it's it doesn't work out in the end, you know, and. You want to whole ass your work. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, but, but like, you know, and like later on in my career, it's like when I would say, no, I can't do this. It doesn't mean no, I don't want to do it. It's like, say you have three competing like priorities, like we need this, this, and this. And, you know, if you say, well, I can only do two out of those three things based on the timeline you need, you know, and it, it's it's not it's not to be a dickhead. It's It's to be... Like, because, because like clients or project managers, like they'll always try and get as much as they can, even if they're not doing it on purpose, you know, like a client wants everything. So like, if you say I can only do two out of these three things, you'll see very quickly how somebody prioritizes something. Or, or if you say one thing out of three, and then all of a sudden, it's like this other thing wasn't really that important, you know, maybe they are in some cases, but like, it's just, you know, it allows you to potentially do better work than you know just you know like uh, half-assing a bunch of stuff and you know you end up looking better for it and you'll, you'll probably ship better stuff i mean there's a lot of factors that go into it but it's being being able to say no has been super healthy for me um in career wise yeah i love that that's good yeah don't don't treat a no as a negative it's it's often actually pretty positive so well, I think there, the one thing I've learned as I've moved up in seniority or whatever, it's not just saying no, but learning how to say no in a way that's helpful. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Increasing the scope of work, uh, bringing on additional players to help in this area, you know, things like that. Uh, it could help with efficiency, productivity, everything because of a no. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, like coming with solutions to things or like or at least, yeah, being honest 100%. But yeah, like stating it like, yeah, we're not going to do that is not going to be helpful for anyone. But if you come in and you're like, yeah, we're at risk of not meeting any of these deadlines because we have too much work. And, and so like, I think we need to prioritize or we maybe deprioritize, like you said, some other team and they take over project Y because I'm focused on project X. But yeah. Awesome. Well, I loved this. Um, Anthony, did you want to keep rolling? Uh, Dev, did you want to give anything else? About um, I mean, I would say just like open the floor. If anyone wants to talk about anything in particular, anyone's got thoughts or um, wants to continue, you know, want to promote some stuff, it's totally open floor. Yeah, I would uh, actually love to ask people, like if you, like we were talking about JavaScript Jam newsletter, uh, if there are like other newsletters or blogs or new sites like that people are reading, where do you get your information from? Because, uh, like I said, I've been reading newsletters, blog posts for years now. That's where I get most of my information from. Um, so I'd love to hear about what everyone else is reading. And I'll also yeah. plug something that I want to plug after this. Yeah, I would say the big ones I follow, these are like, I have a whole Feedly set up for the newsletter to collect stuff. 
So, um, and I'll kind of put this all in one giant tweet and post after. There's um, Node Weekly, React Status, and Front End Focus, uh, and JavaScript Weekly, and Jamstacked. All five of those are Cooper Press newsletters, all very high quality. And then um, the React Digest is one I like. You have like five React articles each week. And then um, Bytes.dev, which is um, Tyler McGinnis. And he also has another one, um, another React-specific one. So, um, yeah, those are all pretty great. And then for, like, individual blogs, I follow Cloudflare's blog, um, Dino blog, um, Fastly, Kenzie Dodds, Next.js, Svelte, Astro, Tom Preston Warner, TK Dodo, Got a bunch on there. So, yeah, there's a whole whole lot of information out there. Damn, how much time do you actually spend reading at all of these? Very little. I'm, that's This is like, this is a feeder so that I kind of scan it and find interesting stuff for the newsletter. And then, obviously, I read the stuff before I put it in the newsletter. So that's mostly why I have, like, so many of these. I think um, Sebastian, who does This Week in React, which is actually another one I should mention, um, he, he has a similar kind of feeder system. Nice. What about everyone else? But I'm a big Bytes um, fan. Just because it usually, like, it's, a, a I can lot get of the it ones done, like, in 30 seconds. are the ones I subscribe to already. Uh, aside from that, just, you know, summer content creators like Colby's and, like, Jason Langstorff's and stuff. But that... That's not necessarily for, like, the latest news, but, you know, I, I just like to follow what they're doing and stuff. Uh, I, you know, uh, I've been using Feedly a lot lately with just RSS. That's okay. exactly what I use, yeah. You know, like, it's just because there's so much stuff, and, like, uh, the way I've been reading stuff lately is uh, I, I got a Kobo reader last fall, uh, mainly because I can, I can actually take out library books and read them on there you can't do that on kindle but they're integrated they own overdrive uh, slash libby and they also have an integration with pocket um so a lot of times it's like i'll look at feedly or if i'm on a you know i'm in my web browser i'll just i'll just stack up stuff in there and then i'll just put them onto pocket and then i'll, I'll read them later um but you know a lot of times it's headline skimming because it's more to keep an ear to the ground. It's like only until I need to actually dig deep into something will I, will I read like further probably just because of, for time's sake, honestly. Um, you know, there's like so much content and it's like back in the day I used to try and read literally everything and it just became too overwhelming. I think also being part of like discords and like Twitter communities or those kind of communities, just being aware of like the conversations that our people are having helps me just be aware of what's out there. Cause I think that's the most important thing. You just have need to be aware of what's out there so you can then decide kind of like what's going to be the most relevant for you. Word Vance, you got your hand up. What's up? Sounds like an AI agent RSS reader would be of great use to many people <laughs> that's yeah no, that's a smart idea is that something you're building i may or may not be the ai mercenary but yes i can i, I like that <laughs> how many idea. accounts do you have bro <laughs> <laughs> for real looking forward to your pr 
Well, I think of Feedly has AI integration. Uh, it's it's in the paid version, so I'm not using it. But be curious to see what that's like. Yeah, I think we're going to see an explosion of AI tools with all these people. Um, I saw Notion. Notion has pretty good AI integration already. Um, I saw Framer was putting it into their UI stuff. There was a lot of people that are doing a mad dash towards that. Can I ask a daft question? Right? How would you go about protecting like content from being taken by AI? Like, what? I mean, there's that Kappa two model that's come getting thrown out, but what steps are people take? For instance, the use case that I'm thinking of is an assessment kind of driven environment where people are, you know, projected questions they need to put in an input or an answer. How do you get them to stop copy and pasting things from, you know, chat GPT or having chat GPT do these online assessments? I mean, I would say it's similar to if you don't want your thing to be referenced by any creator, you don't make it public. That's pretty much you can't really stop it from being fed into these models. And I don't think that's like something that we should really worry too much about because it's like anything else being fed into any other person learning things and using it as a reference. Like, you know, they say great artists, uh, great artists don't borrow, they steal, you know. So I think it's a similar thing with LLMs. But I understand that there's you have a very different opinion there, and, and I respect that. Yeah, you can build up a local model uh, that's completely offline. Uh, I mean, I guess that, that would be the best way. I so I imagine that. many uh, enterprise businesses are, I imagine, are running towards that as well. You know, like at, at my company, we couldn't put all our code into uh, OpenAI and have it evaluated. Um, so you'd have to use a local model on-site, on-prem to uh, feed it customer client code. I think the concern here is not like having your own model. It's having your own content that's and that's like fed into or analyzed by uh, models that are owned by someone else and how to protect your content or your code or your videos, whatever you're making from that. Yeah, I think that's impossible. <laughs> You'd have to use an open source. I mean, Llama 2 or something, something that's out there. Open Chat is another model that trained on open AI and is like really small. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I mean, I think Anthony said it best. Like, if you don't want your stuff trained in open things, don't make it open and public. Unfortunately, I mean, was, I mean, I personally don't think it's that big of a deal. But like, I get that other people do. So, like, it, I unfortunately, that's probably the only way. It's been fun. Yeah, well, later, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. I think that, you know, people are trying to kind of rewrite copyright laws to deal with this. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be nice. I, I look at this like, you know, in your robots.txt, you can like say, I don't want this to be scraped by like Google's crawlers. Like, I think that it would be nice if AI, LLM people kind of came up with a convention that would also give people that ability to, to opt out. I, I hope that that becomes a thing. I don't know. I think that would be kind of more effective than trying to legislate around it. But I think, um, yeah. Also, what's up, Carl? It's one of my um, coworkers from Quick Node just hopped in. But yeah, so uh, it's an interesting topic, Fuzzy, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's um, it's something that needs to be discussed more.
I mean, personally speaking, thank you for like what you know the, the thoughts, especially from Vance. That's really interesting. Like, um, I'd say it's is probably one of those things that is like the concern of the times at the present moment. You know, it is how do you get a digital entity to stop stealing your shit? You know, like it's like it's like having a poltergeist running around your house, right, and taking everything you own and selling on the black market. I mean, I've had people scrape, scrape my blogs RSS and then repost my Dev Two posts on an entirely new website with my name removed, and it just says this is from a Dev contributor. So it's like this is not an AI problem. You know, this is a problem that that extends far beyond that. It's, no, I, yeah. I've had the same thing happen to me, and I had to go track. It took me ages till I got someone to track down and how to get it removed from their website. Because then, but yeah, so it, people copying pasting your your content is is a new like Wes Boss like found his whole course totally listed on um, Udemy, and it he had to go through battles just to get Udemy to to take it down. For real. Yeah, because once stuff gets international, like you can't just say, I want to take down this because of this copyright law. That's a, a U.S. law for someone who's not in the U.S., you know? It's like, it's not, it's kind of, it's a really tough thing because we need like kind of international laws to be able to do this, but then every country needs to be subject to those laws, and then we need a one world government. <laughs> God damn it, I. <laughs> Yeah. No, anyway. gentlemen, I really appreciate the conversation. Hi, um, this has been, like always, a privilege and an and just a joy. Um, but I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to. Yeah, all good, man. I think we're I think we're starting to wind down here. So, um, thanks so much for joining. Been a real pleasure. Yeah, Thank thanks, Fuzzy. Uh, you want to close that, Scott? Yeah, man. <clears throat> Absolutely. Hey, thanks, y'all. Everybody, greatly appreciate everybody who's in here, who is in here. By the way, if you got any value from anybody that was up here on the stage or just said anything at all, please click on their face and uh, or their image there and follow them because you're probably going to get image. Or you're probably going to get image from them elsewhere. <laughs> value from them elsewhere. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you so much. By the way, we do this every Wednesday, at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, where we talk about uh, JavaScript and web development in general. Uh, and we love hearing from everybody. So thank you guys for hanging out. Greatly appreciate y'all. Don't forget to go to javascriptjam.com. You heard lots of wonderful things about our newsletter today. Uh, so if you're not subscribed yet, be sure to get on that. Don't want to miss out on that for sure. Um, thank you to everybody who had all the kind words. Thank you to Dev for showing up here for the Clerk team and chatting about Clerk and all the wonderful things that are coming up with Clerk. Uh, including changing in their pricing model. And so be sure to be staying tuned for that for maybe some savings in the future um, as that new model is being pushed out here in the next several weeks. Um, looking forward to all the wonderful things that Clark is uh, doing and creating um, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about how the whole, uh, you know, bot uh, blocking is going uh, in, you know, baked into Clerk as well. So lots of cool things. Uh, if you didn't hear this from the beginning, maybe you should listen to it because we had some really cool stuff we talked about. Um, but if you listen to the recording, you're to this, to this point. Thank you so much. All right. And we'll see you in the next, in the one. next one. And I don't have no roadcaster, no roadcaster pro with me today. So no the music. Outro. The outro music is going to be this.
Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks very much. We love y'all. Peace.